0: Should I get bangs? I am your host, Julie Rossi. And today's guest is the wonderful
1: James Miles in the house.
0: J- yes, you are. We are in different houses, unfortunately. Um, James is James, what your educator, TED Talk speaker, uh TED Talk speaker, TED speaker, <laughs> actor. You're my brother in law. What is your like what is your professional title currently?
1: Hustler. That's my professional
0: okay. title. Okay. Uh, yes,
1: but for for my for most of my work, hustler. But then my title is executive director slash CEO. Still figuring out what the term is of an organization called Mentor Washington.
0: And what does Mentor Washington do?
1: So we, we're the umbrella organization for mentoring across Washington State, serving all 39 counties and 29 tribes with quality high uh, high high quality mentoring practices and youth development meant to foster social social emotional learning and positive youth development activities. Yeah.
0: Did you ever think you would be an executive slash CEO?
1: No. No, not at all.
0: (laughs) It sounds so fancy because you're in a hoodie.
1: Yeah, I'm in a hoodie. Yeah. Yeah. I never thought I would ever do this. I thought I was going to be an actor for the rest of my life. I never thought I'd do anything else.
0: (laughs) That's what I want to talk to you about because I feel like especially like – Because you had a bit of a, I mean, I I hate the term career crisis. I feel like it makes it sound so. Because it's not a crisis to change what you do. Not at all. It's, but I do think it is a shift, an epiphany, a you know, a big change or whatever. And I imagine a lot of people, especially during the pandemic, either they aren't going back to their jobs because their jobs don't exist or their life has changed, or I know for me, I've, I'm have i having a lot of, you know, what is my purpose kind of thoughts, just because my purpose was taken away, what I thought was my purpose was taken away for a year. Right, right. And so I kind of want, I, I don't know, I, I think a lot of people are in that contemplative place. So but you experienced all of that, not during a pandemic.
1: Yes, I the pandemic of having children. That's that's when I experienced. Is that
0: it. really what it was?
1: No, I mean that's I'm, that's a, a, a falsity. So it happened. I would say way before I had kids. I just noticed my interest became more aligned to education than in mm-hmm. performance. So that's what led to it. You know, as I started to build up more of an educational like uh, platform and mm-hmm. s- skill set what happened is I also started working more as an actor because I was more comfortable in my own skin. So then I really had, yeah. that was really tough because I was booking more and more work, more and more lucrative work, more and more high profile work. And at the same time I started teaching at NYU. I was running an education organization uh, that used hip hop to teach, which is, you know, I'm, as you know, my brother and I, your husband, we love mm-hmm. hip hop music. So mm-hmm. never to and use hip hop in any form we wanted to do. So I was like, what do I do? Do I continue acting? Do I follow my hip-hop uh, education stuff? And I, I figured, yes, there's enough actors in the world, right? Mm-hmm. But are there enough educators in the world that look like us, that work with young people, that really care about young people, listen to them, and really want to change education? That's, we should
0: say look like you. People can't see you. So what? Do you, what is it that you look like?
1: I'm a <laughs> uh, middle-aged black man. In- okay.
0: Okay. <laughs> Oh my god you are middle-aged <laughs> i'm, I'm a- middle-aged
1: <laughs> we're two middle-aged people talking on this podcast my favorite. Uh,
0: <laughs> middle your middle-aged executive c ce- wait did you did you say that already the executive you're an executive ceo yes right of yeah. the company you work at now yeah, yeah. you're a middle-aged executive
1: yeah who thought that was gonna happen
0: well so when you were young like did you know you want to be an actor when you were really young
1: yeah, uh, I had inklings of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, our cousin, who's about five years older than me, was acting in, in Chicago at the place called the Vineyard. Uh, Vineyard. Vineyard Theater? Vineyard Playhouse? Something like that. And I saw him on stage, and I was like, oh, that's pretty dope. And then I saw, oh, my God, Seven Guitars at the Goodman mm-hmm. Theater. And it was an August Wilson play. And I And in the play, the trumpeter – was played by rapper Nas. His father, Olu Dara, was the trumpeter. So after the show, we met the, the cast, and I said, yo, I, I love I love uh, Illmatic. Your son made it such a great album. He's like, oh man, thanks, I appreciate that. And you also know who I am? And I said, yes, I'm like, I love theater. He's like, do it. And that kind of inspired me. I was like, oh, I, I can do this for a living? How old were you when that happened? Let's see, this is 93, so I must have been 17 almost. Yeah. 16, 17, uh, and not long after that, I think I was a senior in high school. Uh, our aunt, our play aunt, was running uh, or a program at BET, and she cast me in a in a like a, a back to school special, and I played.
0: Oh wait, yes. Yeah. <laughs> what was the back to school special about? It was,
1: called, it was it was called booking it booking it back to school, and it was L.O. Cool J, Queen Latifah, and Dougie Doug. And I played Todd Freshman.
0: <laughs> Wait, really? Yeah. Did you have lines?
1: I did. Yeah, I was the star. It was you know Todd Dougie Doug was my like my magical Negro who guided me through through high school, and it was like. Wait, are mean, you serious? I'm dead serious.
0: <laughs> i never knew this. Yeah, yeah. Wait, was he call, Was his title on the show Magical Negro? No, no,
1: no. He was just. Oh, Dougie okay, Doug. I was, he was like, just Doug. yeah.
0: I was like, that seems inappropriate. <laughs>
1: yeah, this was the nineties. <laughs>
0: You know. yeah it was written by a white man and right. they like the magical negro, <laughs> the magical <appeared."> negro. exactly <laughs> <laughs> so wait had you had any formal training at that point
1: yeah at that point i had studied at second city uh okay. for for a little bit in improv and mm-hmm. you know name drop steve Carell was my teacher didn't he wasn't what? steve groll at that point he was just an acting teacher
0: Okay, I'm so sorry, but you have been James is my brother-in-law. I've known you now for seven,
1: seven years. Yeah. Oh yeah. How do I not know
0: (laughs) any of these facts? Because
1: you know, you met me when I was an educator. Like that's all I was.
0: Yeah, that's true. All you were.
1: That's all I was. That's nothing else. You're,
0: that's. <laughs> I did see you. I was very excited because when I first started dating your brother, I was on a plane and I was watching Law and Order and I was like, that crackhead looks like James. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, that crackhead is James.
1: Yes, that's right. <laughs> that was my first big, big role. which Really? I I got in my big, big role. I had like no lines and yeah. I was thrown against the wall by... Uh, by Mariska Hargitay. Uh, Mm -hmm. I was so excited. And I just got a check from that. That was 2003 I shot that.
0: Like another residual check?
1: Another residual check.
0: Are they good at this point?
1: This one's for $20, $21. $20,
0: $20? $100? No,
1: just $21. Hey. Hey. That's a a a pizza. It's a case of beer. It's a pizza. It's a
0: pizza. I'll take it. I'll take it. Yeah. So how long were you acting before you had the? So you were so like, yeah, like take me through. So how long were you acting before education came in the mix and then you made the switch? Uh,
1: Well, secretly, education was always in the mix. At at Morehouse, I was a Benjamin Benjamin E. Mays scholar, which was a teaching scholarship. Uh, So I I got a little bit of scholarship money to to go into schools as a student teacher. And this is the midnight mid 90s. When I was not student teaching, I was also acting uh, at, okay. at school. And then, so that's, you know, from 93, 94, when I first booked that role at BET, to uh, my last acting job was, what's that movie? Touched by Fire. Spike Lee produced it, starring mm-hmm. uh, Katie, Katie Holmes. And that was 2014. Mm-hmm. So that was my last acting job. So almost 20 years, 20 years as an actor.
0: So I have to say, well, a Spike Lee movie is a great way to go out with a bang.
1: Yes, yeah, but also was it. a
0: really hard one because you know I don't want to. I, I feel like, and I could be wrong, and I want to speak for everyone, but I feel like with a lot of other jobs, if somebody, let's say, is a, I don't know, uh, you know, a therapist or, or a teacher, let's say someone or. or I don't know why I can't think of jobs. I'm like trying to go, I'm going through like children's uniform, costume uniforms in my head. Like, let's say so. Yeah. Someone's a police officer. Yeah. yeah, Someone's a police officer. And then they are like, you know what? I think I want to make the switch and be a therapist. Right. Right. And that's really cool. But I don't know if it, I I feel like whenever somebody goes from doing a a performance based job, to a non-performance-based job, a lot of people are like, oh, like they almost feel sad for them as if there's like a, but I I don't know if people have the same reaction when someone's like, oh, I used to be, you know, a a dental assistant (laughs) and now I own a boutique, you know? Like I don't don't feel like it has the same reaction. And I've always felt like that, at least I know some friends of mine, I feel like it almost kept them in the business longer than they wanted to be because they felt like they were, everyone is rooting for them
1: yeah yeah definitely.
0: so did you experience that
1: uh most not really because i made nope. a transition pretty pretty s- smoothly from my from my lens at least people were shocked like when I left acting fellow actors were like why are you quitting like you're working because I, yeah. I was on set when I when I quit I was working Michael J Fox show and I was I called my boy and I said dude I'm sick of being an actor uh hire me wait
0: okay what is okay, but that's that that sounds like a very throwaway story you just told. Like, <laughs> that's a huge yeah, because your identity, I assume, was actor for a very long time for,
1: for most of my life, right? Okay, most so of my how life do you, actor. yeah,
0: so it wasn't just a phone call, like, what led up to that day in the phone call?
1: Well, I've been so I've been a teaching artist, so like, a teaching mm-hmm. artist is an artist that also teaches, uh, from 1998 to the present day. So basically, when I wasn't acting, I was teaching one class. Three workshops with students of all ages in a variety of acting forms uh, and then trying to integrate that maybe into an is- history class. Uh, so I was a teaching artist and I really liked doing it when I wasn't acting, but I really liked acting. So I would do more acting than I would teaching. And then at a certain point I would, in like 2010, someone says, hey, you're really good with little little youth. Can you teach early childhood at NYU? And I was like, yes, yes, I actually I can do that. So I had to take this crash course of just like reading everything I could about arts integration, education, and education outcomes. And then I taught this class and I loved it, teaching higher ed. And I was like, yeah, this is great. Around that same time, I started working with a group of people that were using uh, hip hop. And I said, oh, if we can combine the hip hop musical aspect with my uh, theatrical aspect, and then my my working with school buildings and like knowing what curriculum looks like, this could be really cool. So it was a slow path. Slow, I turned down more and more acting roles. I started taking on more and more teaching roles. And then at a certain point, I just said, you know what? I'm not even gonna try to continue acting. I'm just gonna st- press stop. And you know, it was I was inspired by I was talking to Michael J. Fox and and Wendell Pierce, who's from The Wire, and they were on the show. And they're like, what do you do when you're not acting? And I said, oh, you know, I'm a teacher. And Wendell Pierce is like, man, I love teaching. If I could, mm-hmm. I would teach all day. And Michael J. Fox is like, I'm putting a face to Parkinson's. And I said, yeah, that's what I want to do. I want to put a face education so people know that educators can look like me uh, and be, you know, look like a black kid can see them, see themselves in the pe- person in front of the room. That's what I want to do. So I did it. Uh so I called my, ba- my boy and I said, you know, hire me. And he says, you have no, you have no administrative experience. Why would I hire you? And I said, because I like it. So he said, all right, I'll give, you, I'll give you a chance. So he hired me as a part-time high school, after school coordinator. And I just coordinated the after school programs. And while mm-hmm. I was sitting in the office, I started writing curriculum. And then I shared the curriculum with him. Uh, I want to give a big shout out to Michael Wiggins for doing that. And he's like, this is great. Let's do more of this. So I said, all right. So I kept writing more of my curriculum. And then at this time I was still acting. So I was doing like are we there yet? And I was doing commercials, voiceovers. Uh, and then I got offered this this job from by Kenny Leon to work with Felicia Rashad. So Kenny Leon's Kenny Leon's a big Broadway uh, director. Uh, this show was going to be at, at the theater in DC and I turned it down. And I said mm. I don't want to I don't want to do this. And I was I was on set on the on the electric company and my buddy's like, Oh, you got that gig. And I said, yeah, I'm going to turn it down. And he's, he like threw his pants down. We were changing. He's like, what? <laughs> I said, I don't want to do it. He's like, you're going to turn down a, a, a role to work with Kenny Leon and Felicia Rashad. And I said, yeah, I'm going to, I think I'm going to, I'm going to teach this class instead. And I, I was like, yeah, I'm going to turn it down. <laughs> I couldn't believe I was saying those words out loud. I'm not going to work with Felicia Rashad. This is amazing. Uh, And yeah, so I was just like, okay, I'm an act. I'm not an actor anymore. I'm a teacher. It took me about three years to fully transition, um, but that was it. That was it. Wow.
0: (laughs) I I mean, just because I have, uh, my identity has been unfortunately so linked with my career for almost 20 years now. Yeah. Whether it's me chasing the career, I have the career, I'm you know, but and especially I also live in LA. And so the first question people ask you before what's your name is, <laughs> you know, what do you do? Right. And and I get it. Like that's like a it's it gives you a window into someone's life. It opens conversation. We Will and I went for a walk and we like met a couple with a baby and, you know, we we're like talking like, Oh, what do you do? And I just assumed they were going to say something entertainment. And I don't remember if I said this on the podcast before I, po- I never remember my stories, but the guy was like, Oh, I'm an elevator um, engineer. And I was like, I need to know everything. Like, I was <laughs> so, cause I never heard of that job. Yeah. And he just like goes into buildings and designs the elevator systems. And I just, i felt like that was you know a lot of responsibility because elevators are terrifying
1: super terrifying
0: yeah if you ever been but stuck I, in
1: one yes
0: <laughs> i mean i've been stuck in one for like three minutes and that honestly felt like i was dying yes
1: yeah yeah Me too. were you stuck in one for longer no 60 seconds at most yeah <laughs> like uh something's wrong okay where's my yeah. water where's my bathroom how am i gonna pee <laughs> Yep. Yep. Oh my God. That's the thing I miss (laughs)
0: the least about living in New York is I would, the second the subway would stop 30 seconds and I'd be eating all the snacks in my bag. I'm like, all right, I guess that's the last guy I'm going to have sex with. That's where I'm going to take a (laughs) shit. Like just like always looking around the train. Yeah. One time I, (laughs) this is going completely off topic, but I, I, I got this free, large amount of weed from somebody it's a very long story and i was in brooklyn and my friend on the upper west side was like well let's make brownies yeah and i was like yeah maybe i'll sell them this is like before things were legal and uh before you could call somebody and be like bring me a brownie (laughs) 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 and i and then i had the tray of brownies and i ate the batter while we were making them bad and then i took the subway home with the brownies and the train stopped underground again maybe four four minutes tops yeah But in my head, I I got super high. Right. And I was like, the only food available is these brownies. The children are going to eat them. (laughs) I'm going to get arrested. Then there was a cop in the car. So I was like, he knows. (laughs) I gave away all the brownies for free because I felt like it was karma. Anyways, that was a very long tangent. What was my point? My point was that a career tends to be, I think, for a lot of people, their identity. And so, I, I mean, did you have grief about it at all?
1: No, surprisingly, no. You know, I got into acting to, to hide. You know, I grew up with such a, a stark speech impediment and a stutter. Really? But, yeah, that I really, I became an actor to hide who I was. I wasn't comfortable in my own skin until I was in my 30s. Um, and then... Someone just dropped a pot. Someone just dropped a pot. <laughs> I, if, for those listeners, I live in pretty much an open house where there's... Yeah. So things... It's this, also...
0: Yeah. A pandemic. People, all, people forgive yeah. the quality of audio, right? Get it. Right. Yeah. Um, so you, I had no idea that yeah. it was that was really what you're feeling. Was so you just didn't want to be who you were?
1: Yeah. And then as I started teaching more, I became more comfortable in my own skin because to be a teacher you have to be vulnerable. You can't pretend to be someone else. You can't be like, hey, hey, I'm a hi, Mr. Miles. I'm your teacher. You gotta be like, yo, I'm Mr. I'm James. I'm Mr. Miles. If you want to call me that, I had a bad day. Mm-hmm. You know, so my, my, my sister-in-law got stopped with weed on the subway, right? <laughs> like, I'm thinking about these things. And the students are like, yeah. oh, you're being real with us. Okay. So as I started doing being more and more real with them, I was more and more real with myself. And I was like, okay, I can, I can leave this behind. And I'm okay. Because I'm, I'm presenting the, the authentic self to young people. And that's more important than uh, presenting, presenting my, my acting self as a, as a character.
0: Do you think a lot of actors? I mean, I guess you can't speak for other actors, but do you think that's pretty common that a lot of them go into it to avoid them, like to avoid who they are?
1: I think so. I think so. Yeah, yeah. A lot of the actors I know either are very narcissistic and want everyone to look mm-hmm. at them, or mm. just want to hide. Especially the theater actors. Theater actors are like, I just want to be on stage, do my show, and then go back home, or go have a couple of drinks after after the show. But I don't want to. I don't want to do all this. I don't like myself. A lot of actors suffer from depression, as many writers do, um, and as many is, humans as many world. as many, especially right now, <laughs> as many humans do. Yeah, <laughs> as many artists do. do think, yeah.
0: Do you think you do?
1: There's been moments, of course, mm-hmm. of course. Yeah. I mean, especially in the past couple of months. When I say couple, I mean eighteen. <laughs> uh huh. Yeah, I would say yeah. But it's-
0: what do you think it's been about the last eighteen months?
1: Just the pandemic and not knowing yeah. what to do. Like I switched roles during mid, not mid pandemic, in December of last year. And I was like, am I doing the right thing? Am I doing all I can for society? Am I doing enough? Am I doing too much? Am I putting myself out there and, you know, we like a, a woman of color should be out there. Why am I put, so a lot of things were going in my head and I didn't, I didn't know who I was. Uh, I didn't know what I wanted to do. And if I was doing enough, so I was like, this is not right. And I needed to to check myself and take take a deep breath and go outside. What's lovely about where I live in in Seattle is that I step outside and see trees everywhere. Breathe fresh air, legal marijuana. That's also very helpful.
0: Yeah. I (laughs) mean, tell me about it. Yeah. Uh,
1: my, My kids were sane. My wife is sane. We still all love each other. And I was like, all right, this is good. You know, if I'm looking at Brenner's ecological theory, my, my micro, my home life was mm-hmm. strong. But as you start exiting the, the realm, so his theory is based on a circle. So in the center is, is your home and then outside that's your neighborhood and then the church and then, you know, your school and, you know, the city and then the state and then the country and the world. So I focus on my center, that was good. What can I do to influence, make change? Okay, education, mentoring. I can step in that, the arts. How can I make more change talking to state level politicians and, and legislature and see what I can enact for young people across the the state first and then the country? Okay, I'm doing the right thing. I got my I wouldn't say the depression left, but I got my centering back, which is more important.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah, you know, it's the thing that you just said about the micro, and I think it's so hard to remember, especially during this era modern times where uh and i talk about this a lot on the show and just in general how we used to not know like we know too much like i know it's important to be educated and aware but it's really hard to you can do a deep dive online of literally every issue every small town news story everything yep and you're of course you're gonna never feel like you're doing enough Because there's too much happening and the focus that – I mean, news is designed to mostly report negative things. Yeah, that's it. And it's so funny because when you are outside looking at the trees or going for a walk and talking to people, you actually realize there is a lot of good and a lot of people are doing good. But the thing about the micro – because I have very much felt that way and I think it's probably part of – you know, our micro is so important right now because we're somewhat isolated and I, I have a new child. And I've been feeling that a lot too lately where I'm like, well, my micro is incredible. Like I'm right. and right. and my therapist often has to remind me. She's like, well, you have to take credit for that because I'm like, oh, I'm just like, you know, I'm so lucky. I have this like really like joyful baby and like I'm so lucky. I have like a really good relation. And she's like, no, you're not lucky. You worked to achieve those things. And I do think uh, I struggle with wanting to do more as well. But I do think it's important to step back and be like, having a really good micro actually is extremely powerful. It might even be more powerful than you know, you could I'm not not you, but a person could go like give a speech or write a book and like no one could listen to it or read it. <laughs> yeah. But if you design a very um, you know, a family unit that is diverse and uh, kind and empathetic that like radiates good energy, I it's that becomes contagious, I think.
1: I, I agree. I mean, yeah, Aud- Audrey Lord said self-care is not self-indulgence, it is self-preservation. Yeah. And that's a, that's an act of political revolution. And that's, that's true. Like taking care of yourself is so key because you're, you're keeping, you keep like the airplane, you put the mask over yourself first and then the child. So yeah, you got to take care of yourself. And when you do that, it is contagious. You know, like when I started my new gig, uh, the first thing I said was like, all right, let's take some time to just not work. (laughs) Right. Let's, what are you into? What What music do you like? And the walls drop with my staff. They're like, oh, we've been so much in like do, do, do mode. We forgot to think about ourselves. And now we're much more productive than ever, ever we would have been because we took that time to just say, hey, I see you. You see me. We're humans. Let's, let's do this. Yeah.
0: Yeah. My, my chiropractor, he's this really, he's this really cool guy. He like, he doesn't crack. He, um it's more like deep tissue stuff. And he, he's, you know, he's a white coat. He's a, he's a doctor, right? right. There's no crystals in his office, but uh, <laughs> he's all about like, he releases trauma from your body. He's all about like pain in your body is old trauma. That can be anything from emotional trauma to physical trauma to an old injury, blah, blah, blah. All that being said. So he, um, he did a bunch of work on me when I was trying to get pregnant and mm-hmm. I credit him greatly for, well, I had sex with him. That's why how I got pregnant. That's one big um, no, yeah. I, yeah, yeah, that's how he helped me get pregnant. No, um, <laughs> surprise. No, but I've had conversation conversations with him, and he's like, you know, in his sixties or whatever. And and he so he said to me one time because I have a mixed race daughter. And he, and I've had, I've sent a lot of friends to his office and I have a lot of diverse friends. And he was like, Oh, Julia, he's like, I'm so grateful for the clientele you've brought in. And I was like, Yeah, he goes, they're just so beautiful and diverse. And that's really how the world's gonna change. And, and you have this beautiful, diverse daughter, and the more people that, that make mixed, kids and families. He's like, that's an impact. Cause I, I opened up to him about like, you know, I feel bad. I'm not working as much this year. And he's like, you're raising a child. I'm like, yeah, yeah, (laughs) but I got to save the world. And he's like, but if you focus on this child who already is a product of open-mindedness and like, you know, changing the lineage of, I mean, you know, interracial, anything wasn't even a option to my parents' generation of Italian old school immigrants. Exactly. And so to like be the sort of, you know, just to sort of, I'm going to say shake things up. That kind of sounds, I didn't like do this on purpose, but it is very cool to be like, oh yeah. Like I, uh, I don't know. My whole entire family is now introduced to a new step of diversity. And that is changing the world in a way.
1: I agree. <laughs> like, no, like, uh, I thought I
0: lost you. I thought no, you no. were hanging up. I was no, like, no. oh, God, did I say something wrong? No, I was
1: trying to mute because there was noise. And then I was like, oh. where's my mute button? Where's my mute button? <laughs>
0: I, know, I don't know how to i t- be honest with you. I don't know how to talk anymore because I feel like everything can be taken out of context. No. And I'm like, I'm trying to use the right words.
1: <laughs> no, I, I agree. The more diversity in the world, the more people open up to uh, experiences that are not their own, the better we'll, yeah. we will all be. Um, There's yeah. still people, as as we know very well from the past four years, still clamoring to the yeah. way things were. But that that that's dying. It's a dying thought. It's like a star. It's it still has. You still see it, but it's definitely dying. You know.
0: Well, I think that unfortunately, you know, most people uh, listen. People change all the time, and people surprise people all the time. Like I do believe that. I I don't think anything is impossible. But I also, from what I've seen, and and for myself included at times, a lot of people tend to change when things are personal. So if you have a personal experience with someone who's different than you, or a personal experience with a an issue, you're gonna be more affected than if someone is just screaming at you on the internet. And, you know, it, and
1: that doesn't even work anyway. Like, right? You know, like no one no one changes their mind from. From logic. They do it from no. their heart. Their heart changes yeah. their mind, not logic. Otherwise, we would live in an equitable society. But people's hearts are constricted, much like the Grinch, and they don't they don't see the value in other people. But until that's like, oh, wait, my daughter, my son, my neighbor, my best friend, my cousin, my parent, my grandparent, my children. Now I understand. It just takes a while. So
0: do you think that people? um I mean, I know some people are just ignorant, and some people, it you know, it's a white supremacy thing, and some people, it's a you know, sexist thing, or whatever the whatever the topic is. Right. But do you think that some people sort of like, oh, you know, I, I'm trying to think of like, oh, the cops aren't that bad. Do you yes. think some people speak that way because? They can't wrap their head about around how bad it is because they haven't had a personal experience, and so it almost because when you you know talking about depression, something I've learned about my own depression is I have clinical depression, which mm-hmm. I'm treated for, but then I also have depression when I learn too much about the world. Like yes. I get really sad about the world we live in.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know what I mean? Like the clinical depression is when like I hate myself. Yeah. And that I have pretty much in check. Right. But then there's this new depression of like, wow, the more I learn
1: about the system, the more I want to jump off a bridge. Yeah. That's why they say ignorance is bliss. Like, oh, if you didn't so know, nice. it'd be, I, I was so happy if I was an idiot. Uh, yeah. <laughs> if I didn't know. Maybe not an idiot. That's too strong of a term. But if I just didn't know, life would be so much easier. But the, the minute you know, like, oh, people are dying at the hands of a police state. Oh, women aren't getting the jobs they have just based on their gender. Oh, yeah. trans folks can't play sports just because they're trans. That's that's wrong. I don't stand by that. Yeah, and you just you have to get involved and want to do something.
0: But so do. But do you think that some people like what the reason why they are ignorant to it is because. I don't know. And maybe I'm giving people too much credit, (laughs) but I do sometimes people are ignorant to it because it's so, I don't know. I I guess what I'm referring to is I'm I'm not on Facebook anymore. Part of why I left was because, you know, there was like, you know, certain people from my hometown who would be, I remember this like one girl, you know, she was like, I keep seeing people fighting online and it's like black people, white people, brown people. Can't we all just get along? You know, it was like this, like she was white. <laughs> yeah. I don't think it I, I I goes without saying. I yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and I, I have to be honest with you. I think 10 years ago, maybe I would have even written something similar. Right because I understood what she was saying she was like why do we have to see right d- differences and then I've from certain experiences and from certain things I choose to read and watch and educate myself I've I've learned why she sounds foolish yeah but but I think she meant well and I'm like well she's probably not gonna go read the book because I don't know, like, eh, I I think she doesn't want to believe, I mean, I'm putting a lot of pressure on this one person, but (laughs) like, I imagine she doesn't want to, why would she want to believe that the world is shitty when according to her Facebook, she's got a really great life?
1: Yeah. I mean, it's cognitive dissonance. When you, when you come up against something that you've held as a belief,
0: George Mm -hmm. Washington
1: is the founder of this country. He's a hero to most. Uh, Jesus Christ saved the, the Jews from the, the evil Romans. If you have something that you believe wholeheartedly, and then you hope something challenges that belief. Oh, so black people aren't like genetically inferior? Even though I've been taught that, it's what's on screens, it's what I've been reading in history books. I No, that can't be right. And it, it causes your brain to have to rewire its neural pathways and then that's that neuroplasticity is possible even as you get older, but it's just that much more difficult. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's that cognitive dissonance that says people like, I, I can't believe this because this is not what I, I can't think this way because my, my beliefs go against what you're saying and my beliefs. That's why people say prayers, my, you know, to the fallen victims prayers to them because they can share their beliefs with them, but their actions, you know, Gun control. Oh, that's, that's, that's a, that's a right. That's in the constitution. That's two, 245 yeah. years of of constitutional practice. We can't go against that, but I can give you my prayers because that I can, that I can muster up, but you challenge my beliefs in terms of what I hold dear to this country. I'm not going to go against that.
0: Yeah. And I, I think, you know, and, going back to, what you do for a living now and what you did before too, but what you do for a living now, like in saying that it often takes a personal experience for someone to really get it. Yeah. Like the arts do that all the time. I mean, the amount of movies or literature or it, creative, not, not just yeah. like, I mean, I love documentaries and essays, but I'm talking about like novels or films, music yep. plays that, Taught, I mean, Topmic like, made me feel so hard and then mm-hmm. the lesson stuck and it is I extremely effective. You know, oh, yeah. like you never know what art, how art is going to affect somebody. Yeah. Comedy even at times.
1: I think comedy is the, the great purveyor of truth. So, yes. You know, that like the if you understand something, you know, Will and I have joked about this. We should have a, a class on comedy because if you can understand it, you can make a joke about it if you make a joke about it, you can see every side of that joke, right? Every side of that content. Um, so I I think that's a strong st- story. When I was teaching this Google workshop, uh, I always bring in, like, music. I'm like, hey, what's the, what kind of music do you like as a kid? What what did you grow up with? And one of these teachers, he was in Alabama, said, oh, you know, I loved NWA. And I said, great. Now, what if that was taken out of your life as a, as a young person? He said, oh, I feel really bad. And I said, well, don't you think your students feel the same way? And then this, this teacher was like this. Oh, my God. And he screamed. He's like, I have a student who I couldn't connect with who's a big fan of Ice Cube. And yet now once did I think to make the connection that I love NWA and he loves Ice Cube, we can have some kind of community just based on that. I never thought about that.
0: Mm. So that speaks to the
1: power of art. So like to art yeah. both change lives and make connections. Yeah.
0: So do you have any thoughts on, cause, and I, I don't even want to use the term canceled. I, I, <laughs> I, I, I hate, I, I hate it all. I mean, it's just, I, you know, I complain about the internet so much on this show. I should have just called this podcast. I hate the internet. And then posted that online and been like, please listen to my podcast. <laughs> what, a fucking, what a mind
1: fuck. Right.
0: Why do I promote the podcast with the internet? With the internet but, yeah. ugh, but it's. What's so tricky, though, like, you know, even 10 minutes ago when I was speaking, I was like tripping on my words because it, you know, you're saying with, like, if you can see all aspects of something in comedy Mm -hmm. and and all that stuff, but it is also tricky because it's all about the intention behind it. So I'm curious, like, how do you, do you have any thoughts on like the censorship that is going on right now so much in entertainment and the arts?
1: Yeah, I mean, I I think that Pe- there there is no there is no room for critical discussion it's very binary which is yeah. interesting as we as we're realizing and maybe coming to terms with and acknowledging there's not just a binary spectrum in the world in terms of gender we're making lives binary by either you with us or against us there's no room for disagreement <laughs> you know
0: Perf- yes yeah. that is the perfect way to explain it
1: <laughs> yeah there's no room for disagreement. Like, if you say uh, Joe Biden's doing a great job, you can't say, although I wish. It's only Biden's great or Biden's terrible. Trump's the worst president in history, true. But there's no room for saying, like, well, actually, he, if not for Trump, we would not have people coming together for Black Lives Matter right now. We would not have this, this desire to change government systems. So, thankfully, Trump did happen because people will literally... I hate to use this term, woke up. They woke up and yeah. said, oh, things maybe haven't been going very well in this country for a long time. At the same time, you have this cognitive dissonance where people saying, like, no, we need to go back to the way things used to be. Georgia, Texas, changing their voting rights laws, like you, you name it. Uh, Arkansas, or I think it was Arkansas, or Arizona, that says, you know, if you're a trans girl, you cannot play sports. Like just going, stripping away people's rights. So you have this, you have a a national cognitive dissonance right now, where people are fighting for what they believe in, but there's still not room for. Can we just discuss this for a second?
0: (laughs) Well, and then what happens too, and this is on both sides, is you, you, if you say anything critical of a politician or a policy or what an idea, then the other it's like two teams it's like yep. the other side will be like well you guys did this and i'm like but i'm not t- first of all you don't even know what team i'm on like yeah. just because i like voted for biden doesn't mean i i have a lot of complaints about every every politician of for course. the most part the yes. nature of the job is terrible <laughs>
1: yeah
0: you know yeah. It, it's
1: right.
0: it, it i mean that's what they call things, oh, this is a, like in comedy when people are like, oh, this is really political, you know, like it's a negative aspect of right. the business to call something political, but you know, it's it's tricky because with that, I- I've always lived in gray area. Um, yeah. I've always, I was always like a registered, I was a registered independent until 2016. So was I. my dad always was. Yeah, my dad always yeah. was. He was like, don't pick a side. I'm like, okay. And, uh, but I do feel like and and maybe this isn't true, but like with with comedy and with art, I, I felt a lot of pressure, you know, about a year or two ago to go hard as far as opinions, because yeah. that seemed to be getting um, celebrated or rewarded mm-hmm. hard opinions like yeah. I, fu- this is fucking it. And this is absolute and don't fuck with my opinion, whereas like my genuine self is more like, I don't know, I kind of. I kind of get where that person's coming from, right?
1: I kind of get where that's coming from, yeah.
0: Even when it's shitty, and just because <laughs> yeah. I get where someone's coming from, it doesn't mean I agree with what they're saying.
1: Boom, that's what's missing. The the that like, I disagree, but I still have this conversation with you. I oh, yeah. I, I long for a conversation where I disagree with someone, and then we can still talk to each other, <laughs> like that. Ha- no, when's the last time that's happened? Uh, well, not- but you have to. Yeah.
0: But do you feel that way in your in your real life conversations?
1: Uh no, because I I, I have a very small bubble of people I converse with. So mm-hmm. you know, if 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 there's people that are really adamant about something, I generally don't bring that up with them, you know? Um, not in a bad way, it's nothing serious, but like the <laughs> I'll use something really superficial. The Snyder cut of Justice League. People either hate it or love it. I was a big fan of it. And people that hate it, I'm like, well, there's no point in arguing with you about it. So it's, it's a movie. Oh. Yeah.
0: I mean, that that to me truly is insane. Yeah. When someone is trying to tell you that you are wrong for liking or dis unless like the piece of quote-unquote art is a song about like murdering women because <laughs> they're women. Yeah. You know what I mean? Or yes. Or, I don't know, something that is, like, blatantly violent and evil. Yeah. I, I, I mean, to be honest, I actually have always sort of hated critics.
1: Yes. I'm sure.
0: I, and and calling things, like, I even hate it when you see something that's called, like, this is voted the best pizza. It's like, you don't know my mouth.
1: Right. Yeah. I mean. I think it's shit. <laughs> so do I. Yeah, yeah, I don't want to eat this. Fuck
0: your pizza. I hate your this pizza. This is where I'm not going to be gray area. I'm going to get real firm <laughs> Yeah,
1: I'm ve- on pizza. I'm very firm that there's no... There's bagels on the East Coast. Pizza on the East Coast are better than bagels and pizza on the West Coast. I stand by that. I will not argue yeah. that.
0: You know, I'm going to say there's some really good pizza in LA. Fuck you, Julia. I hate you. <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> I hate... So I despise with a passion everything about mac and cheese yes i hate the smell the taste the texture the the everything and and i've said that to people and they have been like you're wrong and i'm like <laughs> how am i wrong
1: <laughs> i'm just this is my taste buds i'm yeah these are my taste all right are you gonna feed your your daughter my niece macaroni and cheese
0: I mean, I hope she hates it as much as I do, yeah. but she is her own person <laughs> and, you know, I will give her what she wants if that's what she... Do your kids like mac and cheese? Uh,
1: they did when they were her age, uh, maybe a bit older, but they don't really eat it too much anymore.
0: I feel like mac and cheese is a lie that's been sold to parents as being the easiest meal to make.
1: Yeah, the easiest meal to make is tea. You want, you want have some tea? Put some milk <laughs> in it. Yes, protein. <laughs> I don't think
0: you can feed your kids tea as a meal.
1: Why not? They deserve, they they need to work. I don't care how old they, are, who they
0: who uh, are. As an educator, you're coming across as a child abuser. Oh. Um. <laughs> I hate you, James. <laughs> Fuck you, James. So, you know, to go back just a little bit, because I, again, I, I really do think people who are listening probably can relate to that shift. So, like, uh, you know, I. I don't want to say the advice, but like, what would you say to somebody who came to you and was like, I am really struggling with the career path that I've been on for the last 10, 15, 20. Like, I don't know who I am anymore. Like career wise. And I feel like I want to do more. Like, what would you say to somebody? What would you say to your own kids? If they came and said that to you,
1: I would say, take the risk, do what you follow your heart. Just do it. I mean, I, I liken it to when I was starting out as an actor, and, you know, didn't make any money doing stuff for free, doing stuff for a, a metro card, Right. And then someone says, just turn it down. When you start turning it down and saying, like, no, I'm not going to I'm worth more than that. You start getting more work. So I would say the same thing to, to anyone that's like, I don't know if I want to do this anymore. I don't know if this is right for me. Then don't do it. Do something different. Try something new. Uh, take a risk. Risks will either reward or, or fail, but you have done it. It's better to it's better to like have failed at something, than to say I could have done this. Ooh, if only I had done that. Like that whole "what if"? It, it will eat at your brain more than in your heart more than anything else. So I say always take that risk. Jump off the the, not the boat. I don't want to make that reference. Building. Jump off the jump? building? No, Bridge? I mean like take take a risk. Jump over the stick.
0: Okay. Yeah. Okay. D- d- don't kill
1: yourself. Don't kill yourself. Just take a just yeah. Take a jump. Jump into a well. <laughs> <laughs> a very safe pool where you can swim yes. in and touch the bottom, but not hurt yourself. But take okay, it. Don't
0: dive into it. Don't dive it's into open. it. Just
1: jump into yes. it, and then <laughs> tread water. <laughs> let's let's tread extend this t- metaphor for a
0: second. <laughs> yeah, but how does a person know? And maybe you don't know the answer to this, but you know, did you ever have a moment? It's. I mean, it sounds like you're sort of this anomaly. Maybe you're not an anomaly, but it feels like you knew and you just did it. And I know it took three years, so I won't make it sound like it was so overnight. But I'm sure there's people who think the reason why they want to switch or quit is actually a confidence, especially with something like the arts. Like someone who is pursuing acting or music might might say to themselves, you know what, I think I want to switch to X, Y, or Z. How do they know if it's really... Because they want they want to do something else, or because they feel like a failure.
1: Oh, that's a good question. I, I think that's, <laughs> that is. I mean, because you sort of have to understand your own values. You know, yeah. When I when I left acting, I knew teaching wasn't going to be more lucrative. <laughs> like I made yeah. a, I still made a lot more money as an actor than I do as an educator. So that's something you have to come to terms with. There's a little bit more stability, yeah, but. It's not like a, you're not making millions as a teacher. So that's one. Understand your own value, what what it, what it means to you. And if you're like, hey, I, I can live off 20 grand a year uh, and be happy, then do that um, on a purely financial level. Right. On a on a heart based. And like, is this the right thing for me? You have to kind of trust your gut. I hate that. I hate the term trust your gut, but there's some truth to it. You gotta follow your own instincts. We kind of forget our animal instincts, our our snake brain, and we it serves a it serves a purpose to say like you know what I'm gonna trust my gut on this one. I'm gonna listen to this. You know who's it? Picasso said uh, all all kids are born geniuses, but as they get older, they they grow out of it. There's some mm-hmm. truth to that. You know, yeah. As a kid, you're willing to try anything. You wanna you wanna fly? Yeah, I'll do it. You want to be a, a, a fireman? Yeah, I want to do that. You want to you want to paint buildings for a living? Yeah, I'll do that. And then as you get older, you start restricting yourself. Well, you know, my technique's not as strong as it could be, so maybe I won't be a painter. Well, you know, I'm a woman, so I can be a fireman. You, 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 we start limiting ourselves before something starts limiting us. So I think you just have to believe in yourself, build the confidence, know what you do very well, love yourself, right? Love yourself, not just like, like yourself, but love yourself, And and not really worry about anyone's opinion, just love yourself, man. I love like I love myself. (laughs) Yeah, one of the biggest egocentric people I know. I love myself. Uh,
0: Really, the Miles family. What loves himself?
1: Yeah, you didn't know that.
0: (laughs) I don't know if I ever told you this, but one of the. So your brother as you know is a little bit more of like the OCD about like safety and health and stuff. Oh yes. And my anxiety is mostly uh social. Yeah. <laughs> which is shocking because I'm I'm a very social person but I will like not so much any I don't really feel that social anymore but I will like ruminate about like what people think. Yes. So so when I met your brother and he was like I don't give a fuck and I was like <laughs> um what? Like but thank god we both but then meanwhile I was like rolling in the dirt.
1: Yes. And he's like you know, you know I mean, there's microbes in there. You're like okay. Yeah. Well.
0: <laughs> but i think we've like even anyways um yeah. you know uh, one other thing and and then you know we can wrap it up but i was thinking about you were saying about liking yourself and how earlier you said you had gone into acting because you didn't yeah. like yourself and you were hiding and isn't it it is such a mindfuck because i remember when i was in high school i have always my entire life been somebody with like 20 interests yeah i just that's just the way i am and then when i found out that i had to apply to college with a major in mind. Oh yeah. It was the worst feeling because I was like, I like, so I, I auditioned for some schools cause I thought I wanted to be an actor. And then I applied to some other schools, I think for maybe like uh TV production. And then I ended up going to college undecided because I'm 17. Right. <laughs> and I'm supposed to write this essay about, you know, like what I want. All I knew is all I knew that I wanted to do with my life was connect with people and, and make people feel better. And I didn't know how, you know, and ideally creatively. And yeah. so it's so funny because, you know, as you get older, often you like yourself more and you obviously have a clearer picture of what you want to do when you're older. And yet if you are somebody in your forties or fifties who wants to do a big career change, yeah. It's so, I mean, I hope it's getting better, but there's so much ageism. Mm -hmm. There's so much like, you know, it's it's an overwhelm. And again, it's not impossible. There's plenty of people who do it. There's plenty of people who go to college and grad school in their seventies, you know? But it is like, what a mind fuck. It's like, so you're supposed to choose your job when you might not know or like yourself. And then when you finally get old enough to know and like yourself, it's so much harder to choose a new job.
1: I know, and like you, you the brain isn't fully developed until you're in your twenties, twenty-four. is when the brain develops, so you choose a, a career at seventeen, and then yeah. at twenty-four you're like, maybe this is the wrong choice, and that's almost too late to change careers. Uh, yeah, you know, I think I have to give it up to our parents. My both our parents change careers often, like in, mm-hmm. in during our during our our childhood. Like, you know, working my mom, our mom worked at the school. She worked for the governor's office. She worked at the casino. She was a nurse. Mm-hmm. She did all these things. My, my dog is barking at part of me. Yeah. Yeah. So my this dog is the size of like a, a 40 ounce, but has the loudest bark. <laughs> and it's just barking at everything in sight. Um, the dog
0: is like, I don't know if I want to be a dog yet. I'm only, I'm not even one. I'm, I'm barely one. Don't want to be a cat. I'm barely one. <laughs> Maybe I'm not a dragon. Right. Uh,
1: <laughs> but yeah, like our parents changed careers so frequently. That's uh, so
0: cool though. That
1: it was when I, when I was like, I'm going to quit acting. They were like, all right, cool. And when I quit being an yeah. accountant, they're like, okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah. You figured it out. Wait, you-, you were an accountant? Yeah. That was very early. Very early. I was an accountant for two months. I was an accountant uh-huh. assistant in nineteen ninety-five and it was the most boring two months I ever had in my entire life. I fell asleep at work every single day.
0: Oh God. Every okay. single day. I, I can I can beat you <laughs> on job length. Guess how long I was a real estate agent in New York.
1: <laughs> Wait, how I know who did that. How long we did that for? One day. One day.
0: I was a real estate agent for one day because I, I I asked my dad to help me pay for the course because he does real estate stuff. And he was like, absolutely. He was so excited. And uh, I barely passed the test. It was just all memorizing. Yeah. And then I showed one apartment near Union Square that was so sad and overpriced. And the person was like, this feels overpriced. And I'm like, yeah, I wouldn't pay for this. And then I was <laughs> like, oh, I can't, I can't be a real this. estate agent. Yeah. <laughs> Well,
1: that's it. That's it. <laughs> yeah, that's, it. at least I know that's not what I'm supposed to do. See, you figure it out. I yeah, I know I'm not supposed to do this. I can't keep doing this. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah I lasted one day.
0: <laughs> well, this was a delight.
1: Uh, I agree. Thank you, Julia.
0: Thank you. I can't believe that I learned new things about you that I didn't. I guess we have to do more when we hang out as a family, other than <laughs> eat edibles and and talk the, shit. Oh my God, the last time I saw you, you gave me an edible in Seattle, and I, I laughed so hard I was crying. And I, your daughters were like, "What's wrong with Auntie Julia?" Like I was. You have like photos of me hot like
1: crying was, on your couch. That was hilarious. Yeah, I also I, looked, I don't know what it was about those particular edibles, but I laughed so hard. And yeah. it may be because you were also laughing that I just yeah. <laughs> I couldn't stop laughing because you were laughing.
0: <laughs> I mean, that is, you know, talking about life purpose, I, I don't know what it is, <laughs> but I feel very strongly in encouraging as many people as I know to, if it works with their chemistry. Yeah. Weed. Weed. I'm such a big, especially for parents. I'm such a big advocate of
1: cannabis for parents. So am I. I'm so you know? I, I follow this woman, uh... Cannabis mom. Cannamom, I think. Uh-huh. I follow her on Instagram. And she's she has some really funny posts and they're great about like I smoke a lot of weed. I'm a good parent, but I yeah. it's, it's how I deal with the stress. What's
0: well, because moms are supposed to be drunks?
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's or, okay. Or pill poppers. Yeah.
0: Yes, that's fine.
1: Yeah, that's fine.
0: Well, this is a whole other topic. James, yes. I end every podcast by asking my guests a very important question. Yes. Should I get bangs? No. Great. Okay. That's it. Any further comment or is that? No,
1: I don't, I didn't know the answer to that. So I was like, yes or no. I just flipped the coin. That's
0: great. Some yeah. people, <laughs> some people give a long answer. Other people, it's very short. I appreciate it. Um, <laughs> where, what, anything you want to share, promote, so anything you want people to know?
1: Yeah. Um. You know, you can find my work at mentorwashington.org. Or find myself personally at freshprofessor.com. That's it. Great. Thank you so much, James. Thank you. Good talking to you.
0: I love talking to James. Love talking to people about purpose and whatnot. I I always have. I, uh, you know, this pandemic, it's just, it really got me thinking, reassessing all that stuff, what I want to do next, what I've done, yada, yada, yada. And. you know, I love that things often come into your life when you need them. I somehow stumbled upon a woman named Barbara Shear, who uh, is a, I guess she's a career coach. She's an author. Uh, she passed away last year in May, May 2020, uh, which is real bummer because maybe I could have gotten her in the pod. I would have at least written her a fan letter because I did a deep dive on her. I, I don't even know how I stumbled upon her, but uh, I stumbled upon a YouTube video of hers that she did about a concept called scanners. Uh, and basically she described me to a T and it made me feel so comforted. Um, she talks about how you know, back in the day, being a Renaissance person, being somebody with a lot of interests, was celebrated and admired. And then at some point, things shifted, and being an expert became, you know, what you should do. And if you were somebody with a lot of interests, like myself, you were known as a jack of all trades, master of none. And it was viewed as a negative thing and you're a quitter, and you, and you give up on things easily. And her whole theory is uh, that that's not true, that being what she calls a scanner can be a wonderful thing. Some people laser focus on one thing. It's their life purpose. Other people like me get excited about lots of things. And, you know, she talks about how when she uh, had her, you know, went to college, and she was given the syllabus, she was Panicking and crying because there was so many classes she wanted to take and she was interested in every topic, and her friends didn't understand why she was so overwhelmed. And I was like, "Oh my god, me too." I was the same way. I was a double major. I would have been a triple major if I could have. I wanted to study everything. I, I totally felt what she was saying. So uh, this is a very uh, pro Barbara Shear ending to the show. I haven't read her book yet but I'm going to get she has a few books and I think I'm going to get the one called I could do anything if only I knew what it was. Cause it sounds pretty cool. Um, And I know it sounds ridiculous that I sound like I'm having any sort of, I, I, not that it sounds ridiculous, but I have a career. I love what I do. I do many things. Part of why I chose comedian is because I think it umbrellas, A lot of different things, writer, performer, producer, podcast host, all those things. So, But I want to read her book and I want to explore her more because I have had a lot of moments of jack of all trades, master of none. And if you have felt that way, too, I highly recommend you check out Barbara Shear. Also, if you're somebody who considers yourself a scanner after you watch her video, I'll I'll link to it in the notes. Um, Reach out. Tell me about it. I would love to hear from you. I would love to hear from, you know, people who switched careers or pursued new things later in life. If you're somebody who, or you know somebody who would want to talk to me who's in their 70s and decided to go to college or pursue a new career or whatever it is, I would love to hear about it. Uh, It's never too late, you know, to learn something new and do something new. (sighs) that's all. Uh, Also, right. I should probably give you the email address to reach out. That would be helpful. The email address is should I get bangs pod at Gmail. You can always tweet at me, Julia Rossi. Instagram is Julia Rossi. However you want to reach out. I'd love to hear from you. If you have a lot of interests, if you changed careers during the pandemic, I would love to hear from you. If you are somebody Maybe dealing with a career change or another big life choice, or you're having a breakdown about something or a big breakthrough about something, write to me and tell me about it as well. Uh, My sister, Elena, who is a therapist, we're going to do a show where we answer and discuss your messages and questions. So uh, message us about that. Uh, if you are suffering from allergies hardcore like I am this week, I don't know if you can hear it in my voice, but I have been choking on phlegm for days. Uh, I want to give you a shout out because I feel your pain. Sucks. I'm vaccinated, so I know it's not COVID. I know it's allergies, but man, oh man, traumatized by COVID and the pandemic, that I still think my allergies could be COVID. I take my temperature every day. That's a whole other, maybe that'll be its own show, an allergy show. Does an allergist want to come on the show? That would be cool to talk. I would like you to give me a free diagnosis and tell me what to do so I can breathe through my nose at night again. Um, that's that. We should end the show. I should. I should end it. We being me alone and my dog, who's right next to me. Uh, thank you for listening. Please rate and review, subscribe, and I will talk to you next week. Bye.